Welcome to People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is David Wilson, CEO of the Fosway Group, an HR technology analyst firm in Gloucestershire, the United Kingdom. And our conversation is brought to you by NetSuite. If you're a business owner, I don't have to tell you that running a business is tough, but you might be making it harder on yourself than you have to. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It's time to upgrade to NetSuite. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. So ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software that you've outgrown. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com hcm. And now, David Wilson, CEO of the Fosway Group. David, thanks for being here. You've been writing recently, and the Fosway Group has been writing recently, about the ecosystem of HR technology. Can you tell me what that is? So first of all, thanks, Mark, as always, for a chance to to talk to you um, and your audience. So as you know, we've been tracking the market and looking at the evolving space around HR, HCM, talent, learning, etc. for a long time. And I think one of the things that has been obvious to us all the way through this is that um, whilst a lot of the certain vested interests in the market want you to think about HR being a system and in particular a kind of a, or a suite or an integrated set of systems, the reality is it is more complicated. And for companies to be effective, they need to address a series of different problems that maybe overlap and interrelate but ultimately they have specific needs and issues they're trying to address uh, we, we put that generally under a banner of HR but a lot of it also transcends HR so yes they want a system of record for HR they want they have to pay people they have to train people they have to recruit people and so on and I think for us the realization is, and obviously we've gone from a world of HRIS into a world of maybe um, HCM, you know, human capital management systems and so on. That dynamic hasn't fundamentally changed. In fact, there's a reason that the entire probably talent learning industry and recruiting industry exists, which is because HR systems historically have been terrible at managing those functions. And effectively, the HR ecosystem is a recognition that um, it will always be a combination of of those things that have to be managed and dealt with. And that what we really need to be thinking about is how is the collective capability, think, think more holistically and think about how those things fit together. So, and there will always be a need for functional specialism, not least because if you want to have a disruptive impact on something, something's really important to you, you tend to want to, companies will invest specifically in a, in a way that enables them to to address that so the question i ask often is good en- is good enough open brackets you know functionally good enough from a business impact point of view and the answer if the answer to that is no then we need something that's that's good so that's why you end up with typically an ecosystem being a combination or an ar- a set of architectures with different solutions some of which are best of breed some of which aren't some of which and, and they all have to kind of fit together and coexist somehow and it's always complicated the other angle to this which is i think also relevant is you know we're based in 
Europe, we track European headquartered and international companies a lot. Multinational companies, by definition, typically do not have a single system of record or thing for anything. Um, they have a multiplicity. They get, once you get big, you get very ge geographically dispersed. When that happens, you end up with fragmentation. Two thirds of them typically have a decentralized or federated operating model for HR. That then means they end up with fragmentation of systems as well. So ecosystems exist because of functional specialism and the ability to, to disrupt and certain things whilst at the, and connect others together. They also exist because probably in a multinational world, we have multiplicity of systems that we have to connect. So you can end up with an ecosystem for that reason as well. It begs the question of whether or not these ecosystems make sense. You mentioned system of record. Mm. The Holy Grail seems to be a single system of record for the whole organization. Sometimes that either is impossible in a technical sense or just can't seem to be made to happen in an organizational sense. Do you think that these ecosystems are ideal solutions or would it be better for companies to try to aim for a single sweet solution or is that just not going to happen because it's not realistic yeah so i mean there are mark multiple kind of architectural models that you can look at a typical hr ecosystem and um one of them is what we would call hcm centric so which is where you're looking at maybe a a large um cloud um, HCM platform as a as a kind of backbone across that. I think what's interesting about the statement is it's kind of there is an inherent arrogance in there that says well, we want one system of record, but by the way, that's got to be an HR system of record. I'm mean, sure if a company has one system of record, it's probably more likely to be about what their business is than necessarily what their people stuff is. So inherently, I think it's it's a kind of um, not. It's not well thought through as an initial concept, right? But I understand why it's attractive as an idea, particularly if you're trying to limit the number of systems and the ability and the integrations you're running. So it's very popular with IT to want to have one system of record. Um, I would argue it's probably more popular in the, with the business to have the most, whatever drives the most productive output for you, the most biggest business impact is probably the best strategy. And somewhere between those, we end up with an answer. So, uh, you know, we're in a world where there's a significant trend towards these cloud HCM platforms, and I'm absolutely not uh, decrying that at all, especially if companies have been in dysfunctional, on-prem, green screen-like HR systems, right? This is a massive step forward for them. But the, answer, the idea that they are going to automatically be the right answer to solve every problem within HR, I think, is, is ridiculous. What, what we can see is, as I said, you know, all, they will always have strengths in certain areas. They will always be maybe good enough in certain areas, and there will be areas where they're not good enough. And I think ultimately, therefore, it's always going to be about an ecosystem of solutions, even if your um, HCM platform you know, is actually going to be a dominant part of it, you're always going to still want to have other applications around and support it. And in certain parts of the problem, look at recruiting, look at learning, it's not just about a single system being uh, an ATS or an LMS, it's about how that fits together with candidate relationship systems and content and job boards and whatever it is, right? So each of the sub-markets is an ecosystem anyway in most cases. So the idea that HR as a whole is always less about a single system for me is a non-starter. Uh, it doesn't mean though that you can't have a core HCM system that represents 
a significant chunk of the real estate or the backbone for that architecture for that ecosystem. Could you sketch out an example of that? You say, a, you know, a core HCM system and then some, you know, other components built around it? Yeah, so, I mean, so we have a, we have a, a model where we look at, actually, we, we define it into three, effectively, layers, for want of a better word. We talk about core people and operations, which covers things like um, organization people. Interestingly, we're now putting things like skills into that core layer as well, but also looking at things like maybe HR service delivery and some of the related processes, payroll and things. So that's what within that core layer. And then outside that, we have the talent and people success layer, which where we're looking at things, you know, around recruiting and learning and performance and feedback and engagement and so on. So an example of that could be, I mean, again, a core HCM suite, which might be a workday uh, or an oracle or a, a, a success factors, possibly with the core people and organization being provided by that, maybe some other parts of the outer layer as well. And then, um, but maybe applications not being done. So somebody might be using, I don't know, work, work human for recognition or they might be using cornerstone for learning uh, you know if it's a pharma company and they've got a validated system they're not going to be running that necessarily within workday learning yet because it doesn't it won't necessarily support those kind of capabilities so um, and then obviously within you end up with the ecosystem within that so if they're running in that scenario a cornerstone for learning they might be then using uh you know virtual classroom tools from different vendors they'll be using assessment platforms from different vendors they'll be using content services from others and authoring platforms so within you know within this whether it's both within the hcm level hr level as a whole or within some of the subparts you end up with a combination of core applications, content services, and, and related things that have to fit together for that to be effective, right? And I think, obviously, when you end up with that classic best-of-breed versus suite discussion, mm -hmm. it becomes down to, well, actually, I get if, if, I, if, if I'm a Workday customer or a SuccessFactors customer, I'm inheriting, I have capability to do recruiting and learning and those things. But I may be heavily committed already, or even parts of my my world might be heavily committed to using so-called best of breed platforms previously, right? So I want to then connect those things together, and and sometimes you know it's just not possible or desirable to use all of the components from that single vendor, uh, and certainly go back pre-cloud that world was a fairly a disastrous place to be. I mean, there's a reason why all of these cloud talent and learning vendors exist and recruiting vendors exist, which was because the HR suites weren't very good at managing those functional components. So people had a, an architecture maybe with a big HR suite surrounded by all these best of breed applications, right? And what's interesting is whenever you talk to any of the vendors, they always think, their view of the world as one, right? So you talk to a sweet vendor and they think that the sweet has won over best of breed. And you talk to a best of breed vendor and they're talking about, they first of all probably see, still sell themselves as a, a mini suite, but not doing the other stuff, right? They think they've won and on the battle. So you've got this almost sweet versus best breed versus app mentality running at almost every level of the, of the ecosystem, right? So I think that the, the reality is, is you can have different strategies and with the caveat I talked about also around this internationalization and the multiplicity of companies that may be within a large enterprise, you can have core architectures. Those are, um, they may well be a common part of your ecosystem jigsaw, 
in many of those countries, but they are not the exclusive answer. Of, and you have to think about how you connect all that together and make it effective, you know, and, and fit for purpose. Let's take a short break. You're listening to People Tech from the HCM Technology Report. This edition is brought to you by NetSuite. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash HCM. And let's go back to our conversation with David Wilson, CEO of the HR tech analyst, the Fosway Group. Well, let me flip the question around to a certain degree. We've been talking about what goes on under the hood, as it were, from the user's point of view. My guess is most users really don't care what the solution is that they're using as long as it works. So when you put together these ecosystems and there do seem to be more tools out there and more vendors taking the approach of layering on mm-hmm. a, a UI, make sure that the, the employee or HR, the HR user has a seamless experience and a, and a consistent experience. Is that a long-term strategy do you think is that um is that the way you think hr solutions are going to start to appear the interface first uh and then under the hood second if you know what i mean yeah so um so i talked about almost again i almost want a sort of a visual of our um our hr ecosystem model right which is in the cloud hr paper uh, nine grid paper for example and in the outer layer which is what we call the enterprise context that's where we put we put things like the employee experience layer but interestingly we also put other things like um, uh, analytics and intelligence and so on and things like that so there are some encapsulated context I think and I think what's interesting is when you look at historically a very fragmented approach then typically every part of the solution ecosystem is trying to own the user experience for their piece right and you say that's really fragmented it's messy pretty very suboptimal and you know so we think ultimately companies are obviously trying to to address that problem the other factor one of the other factors we're really interested in is what we're calling ecosystem ness so how good is something at playing in an ecosystem right and and i think you know you can invest in these big strategic platforms but ultimately they're only ever going to they're only solving part of the problem so how, what do you do about the bits they're not solving right and and then how do you fit that in there are solutions out there including specialist solutions that are trying to be and and i kind of wince often when i'm hearing this uh, trying to be the talent experience layer of a for a corporation and so on and i think that's really really difficult to to kind of achieve that kind of role also bear in mind we're only talking about hr systems so again if i'm going into a company and looking at what they do as a whole you know, there's also the experience of the, all the other systems that aren't the HR systems as well. So it's not, HR's not, you know, existing in a bubble where it's the only pe- people that have this problem that exists outside of the HR as well. In fact, probably exists a lot more outside HR because you don't spend a lot of time going into your HR systems, relatively speaking, as an employee. But I think, you know, connecting the, the user experience layer and making that more seamless is, is a big deal. We've seen obviously you, you, the UX be a massive driver of, of product roadmap and, and everybody's trying to improve that because it's been one of the key deciding factors often in, in, in competitive kind of uh, things. But in reality, it's also ultimately they're still trying to control the real estate of being the, the UX layer for these things. And I think, that's a, I think it's 
very difficult to do. It's really difficult to do if you're, even if you're a Workday or SuccessFactors or Oracle, let alone if you're a niche vendor that's only part of the, the portfolio. I don't automatically see there that you're just going to invest in a separate independent layer to manage that because that's now got to connect to all other parts of the ecosystem as well. But for some companies who have taken a best of breed strategy, so one of the architecture I talked about ACM centric, we have other models like talent centric and you know, best of breed, what we call best of breed centric, where people have literally going to go, right, I'm cherry picking individual applications because they're really good. But ultimately, you then have to deal with two collective problems. One is a fragmented experience and connecting that together somehow, and in which case sometimes you're seeing companies almost build a front-end experience layer themselves. But by the way, that's broader than HR. Typically, it isn't an HR-only issue. And then secondly, they obviously have to, build, have to be able to integrate the bloody things together. So the, the hub, if you like, that, that integration hub on the interoperability layer that you have to build so that you can have data sharing, but also workflows and so on between these different systems as well. So yeah, complicated. Yeah, it, it, it raises one more question for me. Is um, Do you see a time coming when a lot of HR technology may just be without a user interface, that there are just solutions designed to just plug into somebody else? I think there will always be a user interface for the professional users of that system, right? The functional owners and administrators and everything of it. The question is, will there always be a, an interface for the employee, for example, the user, uh, the, 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 the non-professional user, if you like? Um, I think it's a really interesting question. And, and obviously what we're starting to see with things like chatbots and integrations into systems of work effectively, whether that's Teams and Slack and those kinds of applications or into, you know, into the front end, into Salesforce or into whatever it is that you're, that you're talking about as being your system of work. Um, I think, I think increasingly, or into Google, of course, that's the other thing is, you know, the ability just to go into Google and, and pull the stuff up and then run it directly from there rather than logging into your LMS or logging into your performance system or even just accessing those. So, yeah, I think all that focus on UX real estate assumes they can be the shop window. And I think actually increasingly that, is, that will be only one of the answers. There are, will usually be use cases why whether you're a manager or an employee where you're doing something that is more complicated that makes you want to go directly to a specialist system that is serving that need that use case defines it but in the everyday use case yes may well be not visible at all and you're just accessing it through a, a bot interface or through a slack you know type interface or whatever um, I think we're seeing a lot more examples where that's becoming true. And, and you know, that's on a lot of the vendors have that stuff on their roadmap or are already starting to deliver those kinds of capabilities. So let me shift gears with one last question for you. We're recording this in December. So, of course, I have to ask you about your predictions for 2021. Yeah, so I think to some degree where we see in my view, I mean, we can get very excited about technology and, and change, but we also have to anchor that in, you know, in, in business reality to some degree. So I think, first of all, the biggest, the, you know, obviously the COVID pandemic has been, had a massive impact in 2020 um, on economies, social fabric and companies. And I think we've seen a lot of the 
the vendors get very creative around how they try and help their customers to respond to that um, using their platforms. And we've seen big increases in utilization. Um, at the end of the day, HR is a fairly conservative function. It's slow to change. Um, it's had lots of initiatives and things that are very aligned to historical need, not future. So I think the first, the first thing I see going into 2021 is the extension, obviously, um, of the impact of the pandemic into company reality and that dictating priorities for companies in terms of how they become effective. Some of the economic impact is still now. I mean, in the UK, we've got big retailers and now going, going bust kind of almost on a daily basis and things like this. So I think, you know, we're, we'll still see that for 2021, I still think it's going to be very dominated by that pandemic, post-pandemic reality. Digital is the only game in town you know, because people are not going to be doing face, uh, high value face-to-face -face interactions, particularly. One of the things that we'll see is that continue to drive some of the product uh, roadmap and some of the customer investment reality will be driven by that. So it's not a very sexy answer, but I think in reality, it's quite important. The other thing associated with it, we've seen some of the consequences of that also distort the priority set. So things like, for example, HR service delivery, in the in the overall kind of hr process mix is again not a historically a very sexy topic but actually turns out to be really important when you're trying to deal with uh, employees particularly remote employees being able to provide a really effective service to them um, and engage with them in the moments that matter to them that's continue will continue to rise in importance and it may well even disrupt some of the hcm leader story about their responsibility or their involvement in the employee, overall employee experience. Also, similarly, massive focus now on, on organizational agility and understanding, for example, if, if companies are furloughed or they have reduced staff, you know, made redundancies and so on, you know, what skills have they got? How do we reskill and realign that organization to what we need to be in 2021 rather than what we were going pre-COVID, you know? So things like um, talent mobility and talent marketplaces becoming really have become really important to organizations. We had massive challenges going into COVID around skills. And one of the biggest story was the the challenge around actually recruiting, you know, the inability to recruit skills and then and the difficulty in developing them. That's not changed. I mean, when we, although we've seen big employment changes, funnily enough, all those high skilled digital entrepreneurial people that you maybe want wanted to then you couldn't find are even more in demand now than you you know etc so so I think it's it's going to be associated with you know how do we have a more functional higher performing largely virtual or at least hybrid business culture what are the systems that are going to support and enable that to really come true less so it's less about nice new technology toys and and everything else but more around that practical thing what's really going to drive uh, effective outcomes for companies and enable them to you know survive go beyond the survive mode which maybe they've been in for the last nine months david wilson thank you very much thank you i've been talking with david wilson ceo of the fosway group an hr technology analyst based in the uk and this has been people tech the podcast of the HCM Technology Report, brought to you by NetSuite. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. 
Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Now's the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash hcm. That's netsuite.com slash hcm. PeopleTech is a member of Evergreen Podcasts. You can check out other shows at www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter Podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.